0: If you're looking for inspiration and challenge in the world of early years and key stage one education, then you've just found it. Welcome to the Early Excellence Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 46 of the Early Excellence Podcast. I'm joined by my colleague Luella Ivans in this episode as we explore some great poems and books to inspire young writers. So, there's lots to think about here and lots to discuss as well. So, here's the recording of our chat. Okay, so we're going to be talking about books and poems that provide a great starting point for writing, for really inspiring your children to write, to have a go at writing for different purposes. You know how some books, you share a book with children, and some books just have the perfect starting point for starting to write, for having a go at writing a reply, or for having a go at um, writing what might happen next, all of those sorts of books. So um, Luella and I, we've come up with some, some of our favourite starting points. Um, and I thought I'd start with, um, we'd start with a poem, actually. And my poem is by Ian McMillan, who is one of my favourite poets, not least because, like me, he's a Barnsley fan. And um, he supports Barnsley Football Club, And if I remember rightly, back in in the 1990s, when Barnsley were in the Premier League, he wrote a poem a day for Barnsley Football Club. He became known as the Bard of Barnsley. So, yeah, I I think he's fab. But he wrote this poem, which is called Ten Things Found in a Wizard's Pocket. Ten Things Found in a Wizard's Pocket pocket. And I used to use this a lot as a teacher um, because it's a poem that you can use in lots of different ways. I'll share the poem with you first of all. Ten Things Found in a Wizard's Pocket by Ian McMillan. A dark night, some words that nobody could ever spell. A glass of water full to the top. A large elephant A vest made from spider's webs. A handkerchief the size of a car park. A bill from the wand shop. A bucket full of stars and planets to mix with the dark night. A bag of magic mints you can suck forever. A snoring rabbit. And there you go. Ten Things Found in a Wizard's Pocket by Ian McMillan. It's basically, of course, a list of the things you would find in a wizard's pocket or you might find in a wizard's pocket. But I think it's a great starting point because children can have their own go at this. So you could do, can you come up with your own 10 things that you might find in a wizard's pocket? Can you come up with your own things that you could find in somebody else's pocket? You know, we could have some fun with this, couldn't we? We could say, well, let's do 10 things found in an astronaut's pocket. Let's do ten things found in you might do a you might do a, a particular um, famous person's pocket. Um, you could do all sorts of different things, but it's a great starting point for having ideas and for a piece of writing, I think. Um, You can use it, of course, throughout the EYFS, but you could also use it within Key Stage 1 as well. Um, So quite interesting, interesting for conversations and discussions, but also for starting points for pieces of writing. Um, Also, I think, great for differentiation in that the the children, I think, could, have a go at writing one suggestion, or coming coming up with one idea, or drawing up drawing one a picture of one thing, or it might be that they're having they're really confident competent writers and they're they're having a go at the whole poem, and structuring it. That actually you can there's the scope there when using a poem like this for all of those different stages of writing really. Okay so what do you think about that Luella?
1: Yeah I've not heard of that one before Andy but it sounds really interesting. I really like the idea that you can take it and apply it to something else because I think you know some younger children will feel the need to apply it perhaps to themselves or their immediate family and they'll want to talk about 10 things they can find in mum's pocket or 10 things they can find in probably in your pocket as the teacher Um, but then you can also you know really take it into the imagination as well can't you and Talk about 10 things you can find in <clears throat> at Jack's pocket as he climbs the beanstalk. Or you could talk about, um, like you said, 10 things you can find in, in a famous person's pocket, you know. Um, so I think it's a really interesting poem and I, I like the sound of that. Really, really interesting. All good. All good. Have you got one one there? I think you've got books, haven't you? What have you got? So I, I kind of thought about some books, really. And one that I want to talk about is Dear Zoo. By Rod Campbell, which is an absolute classic, isn't it? Um, I think everyone knows this book inside out. Um, but I used to love using this book with my reception class. Um, it's a brilliant book to just hook children into wanting to write. Um, because although the book itself is fairly repetitive, I think that's a really good thing. Um, because it means that there's a structure there for children. And for reluctant writers, it's also a flap book, which, I mean, who doesn't love a flap book? Um, so that's always a really good start. So it, it's a kind of lift the flap book, and it, and it goes along the lines of um, I wrote to the zoo to send me a pet. They sent me an elephant, but he was too big. So I sent him back. So they sent me a giraffe, but he was too tall. So I sent him back and it goes on introducing different animals. But as you turn the pages, each time the animal is hiding behind a flap and on the front of that flap is a different size box. So you can have all those kind of prediction conversations as well as what you think might be behind hiding behind the huge yellow box. Well, it has to be something big. Um, so you can kind of get all those adjectives out there and start really unpicking descriptive writing if you want to go down that route. Um, and I think it's it's a nice way to get children to start Um, thinking about linking nouns and verbs. So like an elephant is big, a giraffe is tall, a frog is jumpy Um, and having those conversations. And obviously, if they're ready for simple sentence writing, they would be able to write a page of this book um, and they'd be able to produce their own picture of the animal and put a flap over the top. Um, So, yeah, for those children, I think, who are reluctant writers, this is a really great book to get them started. And there's just so many possibilities with flat books, isn't there? Because we're not just thinking about writing, but we're also thinking about those other skills, like the skills in the workshop that children might do. So looking at how we can join the flap to the page, um, thinking about kind of those skills there around gluing, sticking, using split pins, treasury tags. So it's not just about literacy, but you've got other kind of cross-curricular holistic links there as well, which I think is, is really great. Is this a book that you know inside out, um, Andy? I do. I know this one really well. Yeah, it's a great one. It's, it's a great one in
0: that it's like you said, I think I think it's probably best known as a book for, for using with very young children. You know, it's often those that kind of lift the flat book, they're kind of or the sort of the very touchy-feely kind of books that are are great, of course, as board books and for for using with very young children. And and it is a great book for that stage, of course. Um, But actually, like you said, I think actually it really comes into its own even more so later on. That perhaps um, within reception or perhaps within year one, using that structure as a starting point for writing, I think is important. So a bit like with the poem that I shared with you just before, I think giving the children a simple structure, I think as a starting point for writing, giving them something to hang their ideas on within a simple structure is brilliant. I think it, it takes away the anxiety of thinking, well, what am I going to write? Because you've already got some of the words in the sentence already, or, already constructed for you. Yeah. And you've got to come up with a few of the ideas within it. One
1: or, one or two ideas at a time, not the whole thing. And, it, and it's similar to what you said about the poem in terms of differentiation. There's so much scope there with this book because you know children might just be working on their kind of those those skills where they're just looking at the animal and naming the animal at this point but actually they can go beyond that in terms of writing those simple sentences or writing captions for each of the page um, each of the animals on each of the pages and I think sometimes we think of of kind of lift the flat books or those hardback books as or the cardboard books as being for younger children, like you say. And actually there's so much potential when you use them with children that are a little bit older um, and you can start to see the potential in different ways. I mean, we said this about wordless books, didn't we? Um, often we think of them in, in one age group, but actually they can really be used well um, in other age groups as well. So a really interesting one, I think. Um, what have you got next for us, Andy?
0: So my book is called You Can't Take an Elephant on the Bus, and it's by David Taziman. Yeah, um, so, and it's, a, again, a great book, I think, um, and, and a good book as a follow-on from, from those books we were just talking about and poems we were just talking about, where you've got a real structure in place. You Can't Take an Elephant on a Bus um, gives you this structure. So you can't take an elephant on the bus. It would simply cause a terrible fuss. Elephants' bottoms are heavy and fat and would certainly squash the seats quite flat. And don't sit a monkey in a, in a shopping trolley, for monkeys are naughty and find it jolly to snatch your shopping and chuck it about. No, leave monkey at home when you go out. Nor should a tiger travel by train. Think of the panic, think of the pain. Tigers are built to spring and to leap. Think of the passengers half asleep. And it goes through in that way, talking about different animals and different modes of transport. And don't hail a taxi if the driver's a seal with such slippery flippers. He can't grasp the wheel. The taxi will slither and probably swerve. Then throw everyone out at the very next curve. A centipede on roller skates is rather bizarre. With a hundred feet, he'd go fast and go far. And don't put a camel in a sailing boat. It's far too tricky to keep afloat. So it keeps going in that kind of structure. And what I think is great is that it would lead to, again, discussions and conversations that you could have with, with very young children. It doesn't have to always be about the writing, of course but it leads into conversations and discussions that are great for writing and to keep within that structure. So you could give the children that structure. You, you can't take an elephant on the bus and you can't, ask, you can't put a whale on a bike. You can't, um, you can't put a giraffe in an aeroplane is one of the other ones. That simple structure that I think really works for the same reasons that we we were talking about before you give children a structure you give them an interesting idea and you can come, come up with however many interesting creatures and animals and however many interesting modes of transport from from bicycles to skateboards to hovercrafts to helicopters there are so many of course and so all you 're really doing is, is kind of mixing and matching and making interesting and funny combinations of animals and and vehicles and yet as a great starting point for writing, I think that's quite interesting. One of the things that I think is is an important thing to consider here is that when doing a piece of writing like that with young children, that if you can I think give the children Smaller pieces, of write, uh, smaller pieces of paper to write on. That a whole sheet of A4 paper or a sheet of A3 paper will seem huge to children as they're starting to write, as they're getting into the idea of writing. But if they feel that actually they've got one, one narrow slip of paper and they're going to write one suggestion and then fold it up and then we're going to then put those into a box and we're going to read them out then actually every child could have some success at having a go at either drawing or writing one idea and then we'll enjoy the process together rather than feeling like you've got to complete lots and lots all in one go.
1: Yeah, and I I think as well, Andy, it's, it's that idea sometimes that... We can become bogged down with thinking that writing has to go in a book or it has to be on lines and it has to be written in a certain way with a certain type of pencil and all of those things. And of course, it's important children learn those skills. But actually, when we're trying to inspire young writers, I think what you say is really important. Thinking about giving children interesting things to write on, smaller bits of paper um notepads those sorts of things and never underestimate the power of um felt tips and crayons those fine line ones for writing um children will love to write if you give them things that are interesting to write with just like we do what teacher doesn't get excited about a new set of pens (laughs) we all do don't we um so I think you're right you know it's about thinking about you know different ways that we can be creative and get children writing for a purpose, but also not overwhelming them at the same time. I, th- I think it's important
0: to take the stress out of writing yeah. to make it to make it as. as as fun as, as fun as, it sounds a bit tweed, does it make it sound, make it fun? But I, th- I think it's important to do that because writing for some children, for many children, can be quite a stressful thing. That sitting looking at a sheet of paper with a pencil in your hand, thinking, oh crikey, where do I start? And it all seems very permanent, is difficult. And so I, I think really making sure that before we even get to that point of writing, there are. There's lots of. There are lots of enjoyable conversations to be had, you know. That the, with the books and the poems that we've shared so far, each of them should lead to lots of discussions and you know, funny conversations about combinations of animals and vehicles or, or. Um, different animals in terms of deer zoo, of, w- of what animal might be sent, you know, all of those sorts of uh, really interesting ideas and celebrate the ideas, you know, make children feel that they've got brilliant ideas so that they're not stressed about then just having the ideas and trying to commit it to paper but actually you the the ideas process is something that they are really sharp with and they're really keen and they're really uh, interested and and want to entertain you know that we're seeing the purpose of writing i think is important
1: absolutely and i think children having their own flair for writing is really really important and we just talked a little bit there about the types of books and the, the way that books make us feel is for children as well. Um, and the next book that I'm going to talk about, actually, Andy, is is really funny. It's really, really humorous. Um, and, you know, the power of humor for young children is massive, isn't it? Once they find something funny, they're engaged, they're involved, they want to learn more. Um, have you read The Day the Crayons Quit? Do you know what? It's a book that I've heard of and not used as a teacher. Um, so,
0: I, yeah, I've heard of it, but I don't know it in, in any detail, I have to say.
1: It, it's a really great book, and I think it's lovely for Key Stage 1 in particular, for Year 1. But I also think it can be used in the early years as well. And And, and it's basically where... The the crayons in this in Duncan's packet of crayons, they're they're really annoyed and fed up. And each individual crayon writes a letter to Duncan in the colour of their crayon, expressing why they're fed up and why they've had enough. And it's very funny and children love it. Um, I'm just going to read to you a letter from Red Crayon to Duncan. It says, hey, Duncan, it's me, Red Crayon. We need to talk you make me work harder than any of your other crayons. All year long I wear myself out colouring fire engines, apples, strawberries and everything else that's red. I even work on holidays. I have to colour all the Santas at Christmas and all the hearts on Valentine's Day. I need a rest. Your overworked friend, Red Crayon. And then there's a lovely illustration of the red crayon, absolutely exhausted, perspiring, standing in front of his um, beautiful pictures. And the book goes on and each crayon in the pack has something different to say and has another reason why they're the most exhausted or they're the most fed up. And at the end of the story, Duncan reads all the letters and he realises that The crayons are trying to communicate something to him that they're, you know, they're they're at the end of their tether. They're fed up. They're communicating their needs, and Duncan shows respect for that, and he draws a picture using every coloured crayon in the book, and it's a really beautiful illustration at the end. Um, It's just a really interesting book. It's a great one to really unpick in terms of kind of PSED, but in terms of a stimulus for writing i think it's fabulous you're going to get children who want to write letters they're going to want to communicate their own needs it gives them a means to do that Um, the books the day the crayon quit and it's by drew daywalt but it's actually illustrated by oliver jeffers so oh, yes. the il- illustrations are brilliant. It looks like a child has drawn them, um, and I just think they're really captivating. And I th- my favourite bit of this book is at the end when the the peach crayon is left in the packet because no one uses the peach crayon. (laughs) And I just think so many children will resonate with that and will think, yeah, that's me. I don't use the peach crayon. Um, So it's really funny. It's a very funny story. There's lots of other versions as well. I think there's like a Christmas version and there's there's lots of kind of other iterations of it as well, which is, is really interesting. But it's just something, I think, that gets the creative juices flowing a little bit and children will look at it and think, yeah, I feel like that. Um, but also it links in really well with characterisation, you know, giving an, an inanimate object um, a character and a voice. Yes. Um, so really supports that kind of imagination and curiosity. Um, I just think it's brilliant. I love it.
0: Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? While you were talking, it reminded me that there are there are a few different books where the characters write a letter to somebody else, but within the book. So a bit like that. Um, now I can't remember the author. Um, we might have to look it up. But there's a book called "Click Clack Moo: Cows That Type." Have you ever heard heard that book?
1: I haven't. No, no it's really?
0: good. Can you do a search on <laughs> online while I'm talking? Yeah. Um, Click Clack Moo: Cows That Type, um, and it's a crazy book where where you have. Um, Um, All of the animals on the farm um, and one group of... I can't remember, it's a long time since I've read it or shared it, but it's something like the cows get hold of the typewriter and they start... So the, the cows get hold of a typewriter from somewhere and they type a letter to the farmer saying that they're not happy with the way things have been sorted within the farm... And they now would like blankets, and unless unless they unless they get blankets because it 's cold in the barn, they are not providing any more milk and send the letter they send i can 't remember they send a duck I think to the farmhouse with the letter, so that the the duck is the kind of the go between <laughs> and it 's well it 's just a really well observed book and it's um, and then eventually the, the farmer gives the cows the blankets and then in order to get the milk. But then, spoiler alert, the 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 cows have passed the typewriter to another group of animals. So, okay. so then it carries on with, <laughs> with another group of animals sending the kind of the, the 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 kind of the terms and conditions letter to the farmer. Um, but yeah that's a good one and there's also Jim and the Beanstalk at the end of Jim and the Beanstalk by Raymond Briggs which was a book that we mentioned uh, just in one of the previous versions of the podcast when we were talking about maths it's a great book for measurement at the end of Jim and the Beanstalk by Raymond Briggs um, the giant sends a letter to Jim thanking him for all of the different things and it's quite interesting to stop at that point and say and a letter arrived but then saying, what do you think it said? What would the giant reply? Or carry on with the reply and then say, and Jim was then going to write a letter back, but what would his letter be? You know, get, getting the children to think yeah. about what, from, from the character's perspective, what would, they, what would they say? So yeah, both of those, great, just jog my memory that actually there are books with letters within that actually are a great starting point, aren't there?
1: They yeah, are, absolutely. And that Click Clack Moo, Cows That Type, is by Doreen Cronin. Yeah, well worth looking into. It's a, it's a good one. It's a good one. Um,
0: I've got... I, I picked out the other one that I, I have. Now, I'm a bit... Um, unsure as to whether to share this one purely because it's a while since I've read it and I'm not 100% sure that this is still in print Um, but it's it's a really good story it's called Wilfred Gordon MacDonald Partridge and it's written by Mem Fox Wilfred Gordon MacDonald Partridge it's on Penguin Books and it's a story of a little boy and he lives near to uh, a residential home where a lady, an older lady, um, lives. And she's called um, Nancy Ellacourt... Something like Nancy Ellacourt Delacourt Cooper or something like that. (laughs) She's got four names, just like Wilfred Gordon MacDonald Partridge, who's the little boy in the story. And he hears from his parents that his friend, Miss Nancy has lost her memory and so he he thinks this is really sad because they've had such a lot of lovely times together and so he goes looking for things that he can take to her to help her jog her memory or to jog her memory and so he goes and collects he gets a shoebox and he puts in it an egg from the hen house and uh, uh, I think his most treasured his his most treasured possession, uh, which is his football, and um, I can't a she- a seashell he puts in the box, and a few other a few other different things that he's found, because for him they hold a memory, and he knows that when it takes he takes them to Miss Nancy that it will bring back her memory, and it works. He takes the collection of things to her. And as soon as she sees them she remembers different things from her life and the reason that I think it's brilliant for a book to share with children in terms of writing is that it starts us off with that idea of every object or lots of objects have a memory they hold a memory or they hold a story and so I think it's quite an interesting thing to do as a, as a class or as a you know as a group is to is to put together read the story if you can if you can get hold of it and to to share the idea of having a, a memory box in the classroom and that in it we will put objects or things that represent a memory that will jog a memory so that we can then retell the story of that day See what I mean? So, so that we're getting into telling, telling and retelling a story over and over again as a, as a, as a memory that we'll get better and better at telling. Um, so, you know, you've been on a school visit somewhere. You might have been to the farm, for example. And so we put a farm animal or we put um, a, to- a toy coach or, you know, a bus in, into the memory box to remind us of what happened on the journey. Or to remind us of what happened, you know that that when we saw that cow in the field and what it, you know what that cow did, do you, can we remember the funny story of that of that day, you know that kind of thing. It's and a
1: really lovely idea as well. You
0: see what I mean? To yeah. Share those
1: memories together.
0: Yeah, so I I think you could do it in lots of different ways, but I think a memory box I think is quite interesting. It kind of. I think, you know, like we said in a previous episode, I think stories are so much more than just about learning to read and to write. There's a kind of, um, there's a closeness and an emotional bond there that you get from sharing stories. And I think stories help us to feel like we're part of a community. And you see that with families. You know, families at Christmas, for example, will sit around the table and we'll, st- we'll tell the same stories that we told last year and the year before and the year before. And we laugh about the same things. And do you remember when this happened? You know, that kind of thing. It draws us together as a group. And I think, I think if we want our class to feel like a community, a group, a, a, a real community of learners, then I think part of it is by having those shared memories together and I think using stories and using retelling of stories helps us to do that. And of course, that's also important as part of the, the writing process because we, we develop our confidence with telling a story and then we find it easier to then write that story. Do you see what I mean? So that's, that's mine. It's a bit of a, a left-field one in that, as I say, it's quite an old book now, but Wilfred Gordon MacDonald Partridge by Mem Fox would be one of my choices too. Have you got another one there, Luella?
1: I have, yeah. I really like the sound of that one, Andy. I have to, I have, to have a look at that. I haven't heard of that one before. <laughs> um, so I, uh, a last one from me, really, is a book called Questions, Questions by Marcus Fister. And I'm sure we all know the Rainbow Fish. Um, so it's by Marcus Fister, And it is essentially a book where it, it just kind of asks a different question on each page. And they're all questions that our youngest children would naturally ask. So those inquisitive questions about the world. So things like, how do seeds know how to grow? Or what turns the rain on in the sky? Or do apple seeds dream happily of growing up to be a tree? Who teaches butterflies to fly? And there are lots of other questions in that book as well. But it's a really nice book because... It asks the questions that are probably in children's minds and they're probably the things that they think about all the time and and will often ask us. Um, but I think it's a great stimulus for discussions and just it sparks off conversations because we can unpick those ideas and really start to ask ourselves the questions and start to think about the science behind it, start to think those about those elements of understanding the world. Um, But I also think it's important that if we're sharing a book like this, that we give children that time, I think, to go and explore and find out some of the answers to these questions or maybe not the answers, but go through the motions of trying to figure them out. Um, So we've talked a lot today about narratives and story writing, and I think this book could also support narrative. But actually, what I think this book is really useful for is supporting nonfiction writing because it will encourage children to perhaps write a story um, so they could use it for a narrative, but it could also encourage them to write some instructions for how seeds grow, or it could encourage them to write some captions about some pictures of an apple tree. Um, So there's potential there for fiction and non-fiction. Um, And I think sometimes it's hard to find books that support nonfiction writing, Um, particularly as children are are into kind of reception in year one. It can sometimes be a struggle to to pin down nonfiction and and teach it well. Um, So using books that focus around questioning, I think, is really, really powerful. So it's an interesting book. And it's, of course, it's by Marcus Pfister, so it's got beautiful artwork inside the book as well. Um, And just as he does in The Rainbow Fish, he also uses that kind of foil element um, in the illustrations on each page as well, which is really nice. But he talks about the artwork at the end of the book. And what I think is really interesting is he says that he, he he did the artwork for this book in a really different way. So he transferred his drawings to cardboard, And then he used the cutouts to stamp with acrylic paints. So, really like beautiful pictures in the book as well. So, for those children that are, you know, love to be absorbed and listening to a story and watch as you turn the pages and are drawn in by the illustrations, it's a lovely one for that as well. What I didn't mention was it is written in in kind of a a poetic way as well so similar to that idea of poetry it gets that imagination going in that same way and supports children with that vocabulary as well so an interesting book I think it's it's quite niche it's around understanding the world but it definitely would support um with that non-fiction writing too
0: fantastic blimey there there are loads aren't there when you once you start to really think about it there are absolutely loads you know, loads of, bo- loads of books, loads of different sorts of poems, all kinds of different things to, to share and to explore together with the children. I think that the main thing for me is that, is that kind of fun element. I think they're really enjoying it together and taking the stress yeah. out of it, I think is so important. And the illustrations are fab, aren't they? You know, those books, that, you know, that, the, the book that you just shared there, you know, the illustrations are fantastic. You know, when you think about the detail of of what you were saying there, in terms of you know the artist really thinking about the media and really thinking about the process of what they've gone through in order to create, create the pieces of artwork that are in the book, you can see how the the illustrations are not just there as as a kind of almost like as a as a an extra as an extra to the to the print as they might be in in books for older children but but actually are very much
1: sort of central to the whole book aren't they yeah and i think you know when we talk about teaching writing and we talk about you know writing in the early years actually we're not just teaching children transcription skills We're teaching them to become real creative writers and we want them to bring those elements of that kind of expressive art and design into their work. We want them to be going into the workshop and making flat books. We want them to be in the role play, acting out and carrying out the narrative. It's a much broader, holistic picture when it comes to the early years. So I think you're right. We need to be choosing books that capture that and that are really powerful in lots of different ways
0: which just about brings us to the end of this week's episode I hope you found our conversation useful Um, if you'd like to use the books that we talked about as part of developing your practice then here are the titles the first one was the poem that I shared and that was 10 Things Found in a Wizard's Pocket and that's by Ian McMillan Um, The next book was Luella's uh, first book, and that was Dear Zoo, and that was by Rod Campbell. We then had uh, My Choice, You Can't Take an Elephant on the Bus by David Tasman. And following that, Luella shared with us The Day the Crayons Quit by Drew Daywalt. Um, We then talked about a couple of other books. We talked about Click Clack Moo, Cows That Type by Doreen Cronin. And we talked about uh, a book called book by Raymond Briggs called Jim and the Beanstalk. Both, both books featuring letters, letters from from uh, different characters to another character. And then the last two books that we shared were um, was a book by Mem Fox, by uh, by Mem Fox called Wilfred Gordon MacDonald Partridge. And the final one questions, questions by Marcus Vista. So lots to share there. I hope that's inspired you to get sharing those books and really get those children having a go at talking through some brilliant story ideas. There's a lot of interesting things that we can chat about there as part of sharing those books. Um, and if this episode has really got you thinking, then we've got some great training coming up that I think is really just for you. Um, we've got um, a great session called Let's Explore Language and Communication. So all of that talk and that rich, those rich opportunities for discussion and conversation that, of course, are so important. And, of course, the importance of the role of the adult in having those effective interactions with children. So we'll explore all of that in that session. And then the second one that I thought would actually be really useful in terms of um, sharing, if you found this particular podcast episode useful, is training called It's More Than Reading and Writing. Talking about that breadth of practice that we, of course, need if we're going to develop really confident um, and skilled readers and writers. Okay, so what we'll do is we'll put the information for both of those courses in the, well, in the podcast information so that you can click straight onto it. We'll add the links into the podcast information. Okay. Right. Thank you again, everybody, for listening. I hope you found the episode useful. And um, yeah, we'll see you next week. Have a good week, everybody.